This is a Timmet podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. The title of this episode is Crazy German. Crazy German. Franz was not crazy enough to be one of the crazy Germans. Not right away, anyway. The crazy Germans come to Yukon to do things that never cross the minds of sane Canadians. Things like walking from Whitehorse to Dawson in a straight line in the summer. Or paddling up streams that no one else ever dares paddle down. Or hiking the 1,600-kilometer Yukon Quest dog sled race course in February and March, alone. Franz's fixation was more modest. He wanted to build a house on the building lot he owned near Tagish. He knew exactly which ceramic tiles he would install in the entryway. The orientation, number, and style of windows had been determined long ago. And the off-grid electrical system had been fully designed, complete with batteries, inverters, and solar panels. Franz had been working on the plans for at least 20 years, since he had purchased the lot during his first vacation to Yukon. The plans evolved, or maybe cycled, every year. He had been staying with us at our Walnut Crescent bed and breakfast every November and December for the past six years, but we saw no sign that he was actually any closer to starting construction. I'm not sure it was a question of money. Franz had a job with some airline back in Germany, where he worked or not as it pleased him. The job provided cheap airline tickets back and forth to Canada. Franz would set out every day in his rented car to make the rounds of the building supply companies in Whitehorse, gathering information to improve on the design of his house. I'm not sure how he could spend every day for two months doing that. It must be a guy thing. Even so, there aren't all that many places in town that sell construction material. In the evenings, Franz would sit around the house bored. He wasn't a recreational reader, and he didn't really like TV. He occasionally succeeded in drawing my husband Chuck into heated discussions about the trade-offs of different roof truss systems, or whether 48 volts DC was the optimum voltage for an off-grid house. But most evenings, he was at loose ends. I took him along to Toastmasters one night, but his command of English was not sufficient for the quick wit and idiomatic arguments that occurred there. He came with us to a play at the Guildhall, but didn't really like that either. So when the Folk Society coffee house took place in the United Church basement, I invited him along. He came reluctantly, saying he really didn't like music all that much. Sure enough, during the first half of the program, he sat and fidgeted. That was the open stage part, where anybody could get up and sing a song or two. The old couple with their moaning cowboy songs was not to his liking, and I really didn't blame him for that. However, the mother of twins at the keyboard and the pilot playing classical guitar made no impression on him either. The conservation officer playing the banjo, the librarian doing stand-up comedy while strumming her ukulele, and the truck driver reading his clever Robert Service-like poems were definitely not hits. The only spark of interest occurred when he found out that the man with the guitar, ponytail, and greasy leather jacket was a former homeless person and candidate in the last election.
Things aren't like that in Germany, he sniffed. The situation changed in the second half of the program, when the featured artist performed a whole one-hour set. This month it was Miko, a well-known and well-liked member of the White Horse music scene. She had come from Japan as a tourist about five years ago, and, like many, had fallen in love with Yukon's charms and decided to stay. She mushed dogs in the winter and guided tours for Japanese tourists in the summer. Her spoken English was halting and awkward, but when she sang, all that fell away as if by magic. She had produced a well-received CD last year with her own compositions about the natural beauty of the Yukon and the quirky social situations in which she sometimes found herself. I glanced over at Franz. He had stopped fidgeting and was staring at Miko intently. When she had finished the first song, he whirled to me and said, perhaps a bit too loudly, Quickly, tell me about this woman. I must know everything about her. She is wonderful. Miko was already into the lead-in for the next song, so I whispered that we would talk at the end of the evening. Franz spent the rest of the evening staring at Miko with his mouth hanging open, the carrot cake purchased during the intermission lying forgotten beside him on the table. When the set drew to a close, Franz moved closer and even before the applause ended was peppering me with questions. Is that her real name? What is her last name? Everyone called her Miko. I assumed that was her real name as well as her stage name. I didn't know her last name. Does she have a boyfriend? I didn't know. Do you think she would like to live in a cabin in Tagish? I didn't know that either, but suggested he ask her. In fact, Mika was coming right past our table on her way out. I got up, grabbed Franz by the arm, and introduced him to Miko. They made an interesting contrast standing there together. He in his fifties, about six feet tall, a few extra pounds on his square frame, a square blonde brush cut above the uncertain embarrassment on his ruddy face. She, half his age and about a foot shorter, extremely thin and lithe, her short black hair and round Hirohito glasses accentuating her Asian background. She shook his hand, said, Thank you for support, please, and moved on, leaving Franz staring after her in awe. As soon as we got home, Franz borrowed my Miko CD and listened to it continuously for the next week. On the internet, he discovered videos of her singing and watched them over and over and over. This made me somewhat uneasy because it seemed like he had quickly slid into an unhealthy obsession. And then it got even worse. He found that Miko's website indicated the places she would be performing. He went to see her at the claim on Friday evening and at the gallery on the following Sunday. On his return from the second performance, he announced triumphantly, I found out her last name. It is Murata. It was written on her mailbox when I followed her home. Franz had become a stalker. What should I do, if anything? I talked it over with my husband, but we didn't come to any clear conclusion. Should I call the police? Should I warn Miko? I did try to discuss it with Franz to explain that although I didn't know how things were in Germany, 
It just wasn't socially acceptable or even healthy in Canada to stalk other people like that. He brushed me off and didn't want to talk about it. About a week later, when I was still wrestling with the situation, I got up at four in the morning to get a drink of water. You can imagine my immense surprise when I met Miko coming out of the bathroom wearing Franz's housecoat, heading back to his room. Miko and Franz had become a couple. Things moved quickly after that. Franz moved out of our bed and breakfast to move in with Miko, his airline job in Germany forgotten. A house in Tagish made the transition to the construction phase. We were invited to the housewarming in the early summer. The house was just as it had been planned all those years, although with some Miko-inspired changes. The space-saving utilitarian shower had become a large soaker tub. The industrial carpet had become rich hardwood, and the three cats in front of the fire had become one large dog. More importantly, the spare room, which had been designed as a storeroom, now had brightly colored walls and a crib in the corner. Miko was indeed pregnant. As we sat together, drinking tea in the sunny living room, Franz leaned over and patted Miko's bulging stomach while she beamed. Another crazy German, he said. This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmet.ca slash podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.